Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. Hey fans, welcome to the Female Athlete Nutrition Podcast. I'm here today with Erica Suter. I'm really excited for you guys to hear about her. Erica is a passionate youth speed, agility, strength, and conditioning coach in Tampa, Florida, and online who has been working with athletes for over 10 years in performance enhancement and injury prevention. She's also the author of The Strong Female Athlete Book, which is a science-based and experience-based text with a fresh novel approach for youth female athletes to improve speed, reduce injury, and increase strength. Her mission is to help them become strong, resilient, and creative through exercise while inspiring them to love movement and sports, not to see these as obligations, but rather enjoyable escapes from the stressors of life. Erica, I've been following her on Instagram for quite some time now. She is at Fit Soccer Queen, and she's also the host of her own podcast, the Soccer Queens podcast. So Erica, thanks so much for coming on our show. (laughs) Yeah, super excited and honored to be here. And likewise, been following your content for a while. And I just love connecting with other women who are working with the population of young girls. And I preach nutrition a lot to my athletes and we cannot train at our best if we do not have it. So thanks for all Mm -hmm. that you do. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And you know, it's awesome because I'm so excited to talk to you today because I feel like our, our missions are the same. We're just kind of expressing them slightly differently, but there's a lot of overlap, right? Like your mission, I think you have it on your website. Your mission statement is building fast, strong, resilient, confident athletes. And that's like so in line with me as well. And you're doing it through that strength and conditioning approach. And I'm doing it through the nutrition approach. And of course there's overlap in a lot of our messaging. So it's, it's awesome that we have that similar mission. And so I'd love to hear from you, Erica, like why, why are you so passionate about helping youth female athletes become strong, resilient, and confident in their sport. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why this mission is so important to you? So I think a lot of coaches who get into working with this population, they have uh, their own story and how they use their their practices to improve their performance and their health and their life. And for me, Strength and conditioning has always been a part of my life. I started doing it in middle school with a strength coach and it was really intense. It was a commitment back then. It was like a five day a week training. And, you know, you look at youth sports today and a lot of people can't even make once a week. So I just laugh and I'm like, wow, like that five days a week, like it really taught me discipline and it showed me that committing to something and really pushing my body, learning strength training, 
And doing all this training outside of practices, how that can really enhance your performance. And I first saw a change in my confidence, actually. So uh, my first month of doing this training, I just felt really good. I just felt stronger and just my emotions were better. I was happier. I was more motivated to do things. And then a couple months after I did it, I noticed the physical benefits of getting faster, not getting tired in the final minutes of the game and just maintaining my my endurance and strength throughout the whole game. And I did strength and conditioning all through middle school, all through high school, and through college as well. And it just, it left such an impact on my performance, but also just even when I stopped playing soccer, I just enjoy working out. I enjoy stronger and seeing what more I'm capable of and just taking care of my health. So that's just been my, my motivation to, to help young girls because I've seen all of the benefits in, in sports and life. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think I, I heard that on one of your podcast episodes that I was listening to that was like, I started strength and conditioning in sixth grade. And it's a little unique to hear that. But I was reflecting on myself too. I was growing up, I was a gymnast. So we did a lot of just conditioning, I might say. But then in high school, we had it as an option for gym class as we had the weight room as an option to do. And I ended up doing that quite a bit. So I was thinking about my own journey, like with weights. And I was like, I really started weight training in high school, at least two to three days a week through gym class, which was kind of cool for me, because I, I do think that that's really helped me and just like under like simple things. Uh, well, what I'm going to call simple of just like proper form with squats and bench press. Like I started learning that in high school and that was really helpful as I was developing as an athlete. So what would you say, like at what you started in sixth grade, is there an age that you recommend young athletes begin to supplement whatever their sport is with some strength and conditioning? Yes. And I I get this question a lot. So it, I hate to give the answer. It depends, (laughs) but it does. And it, it depends on the the readiness of the athlete first. I would recommend anywhere from like sixth, seventh, or eighth grade. So definitely in middle school. But sometimes a sixth grade girl is not emotionally ready to do structure training and maybe her parents are pushing it on her. So I, I recommend if girls are a little bit more hesitant during that time, it's okay to wait till seventh or eighth grade. The The biggest problem is when girls wait until high school because up until that point, they're learning a lot through neural factors. So that's when most of the motor skill learning happens in in middle school and during that growth spurt. And that's the opportunity we want to take advantage of teaching them these movements. Otherwise, in high school, we kind of are playing catch up. I don't want to say it's too late because I get a lot of clients who start with me in ninth grade. But we are not going to progress as quickly and and we are going to have to play catch up then. So I prefer athletes start in middle school, but if they're not ready in sixth grade, then it's okay to wait till seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And at that young age, because it is a young age and it's part of your mission, I read it off in your intro and everything that like you want this to be fun. So it's like, okay, it is structured, but it's still 
so much of you to make sure that this is fun and this is bringing enjoyment to their life. But what does that really look like at that age? Like, is it like, like, what is this a silly question, but like, what sort of like time commitment? Because if they are enrolled in a sport, like they're doing that sport multiple days a week, you know, what, what should that look like as far as like, the the extra work? Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's always the the interesting question. And the the way I put it to parents is, okay, you have a growing female athlete who is playing just their sport three, four days a week, and they're only doing those repetitive movements and overusing certain muscles. So where's the time for strengthening the other muscles, (laughs) like the hand? and the glutes and all these muscles that protect the knee joint, protect the ankles, and also the muscles that really make them faster and explosive. So it's like, okay, I get it's it's extra time, but we also need to be teaching middle school girls how to be disciplined. Yes, the training's fun, but we also need to teach them discipline. Hey, if you want to get better at something, you have to prioritize it. You you have to make time for this stuff because as you go through high school and college and get to a higher level, the dis- discipline gets way harder. You're doing lifts with your strength coach at maybe six in the morning in college. So it's like, why not teach them young to get into these habits, but also making sure they're staying consistent with the training because that's when they get the fastest improvements. They get the most out of it. Now, the way I structure my training is I require two times a week at minimum. You can do that. You can see me in person both days or it could be in person one day, remote one day. So I give people options so it's convenient, but you got to get in that two times a week. And sport performance is very similar to school. You can't just do math one day a week and expect to jump to calculus the next year. Thing with nutrition, you can't just, you know, eat one healthy meal throughout the week and then it, it expect you to be completely nourished and hydrated if, if the rest of your week looks terrible. <laughs> so I, I just try to reinforce that consistency. And yes, it should be fun, but it should be disciplined and it should also be competitive. But con- competitive can be fun too. And it really depends how you structure the drills. With our training, we do a lot of speed races and relays and we have like leaderboards and competitions. So I think that's a component of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Competitive is fun. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about sports. (laughs) (laughs) The competition, it it hypes me up and it gets me excited. So, and I think, I think there's value in instilling that, especially in young girls that like not to be afraid of competition, not to get stuck in that comparison trap of like, who's, better. It's like, have this be fun. And so I think that's, I've heard you speak on, on your podcast about that before too, of like, you know, you're, you're building these young girls up to like embrace that challenge and embrace that competition. And it helps build them into, I think, just more well-rounded people in life. Yes. And, and that's another thing is, is comparison and we, we can look at it in a few ways. So like there's the comparison where girls are like maybe in that jealous energy or it's, it's a way that's kind of like crippling them and they're just like constantly looking around and like freezing. But then there's like the comparison when you look at another female athlete and she's at a level you want to be at and you're just like, wait a minute, that fires me up. 
And it just reminds me like growing up when I decided to do the strength and conditioning, I saw like a bunch of my teammates like faster than me and not getting as tired. And I was like, what are they doing? And then I found out they were doing strength and conditioning. And then I was like, well, I want to do that. Like I want to get better. So I, I think comparison can be used in a way where it's like, okay, well, you're inspiring me to, to level up. And instead of, you know, just getting rid of looking at everyone else, like we can use it as inspiration and, and as opportunity too. Totally. Absolutely. I, I fully agree with you. So level up. I think I've seen, I saw that like on your website, that term that you use level up. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. And so it's just, to, I guess maybe backtrack for a moment here, Erica, like you, you were a great soccer player, played soccer in college, played post-college professionally. Could you tell our listeners a bit about your journey with with soccer and, you know, just what, you know, your journey with being a female athlete there? Yeah. So before college, I did something that was just not what anyone would do nowadays in the youth sports climate. So <laughs> I played recreationally until age 14. But nowadays you see girls playing like travel at age eight and they're traveling across state borders and they're like overbooked and play more games than pro athletes. Crazy. But yeah, it's it's nuts. And I think we're in too deep. I don't I don't know if it can change, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but yeah, I played recreational until age 14. And that was a time when I just, it was like low pressure, you know, it was fun, it was still competitive, but it just allowed me to really fall in love with the game and really figure out, okay, do I really like soccer? Like I dabbled in other things like lacrosse, ballet as well, gymnastics. I think every girl tried ballet at some point. At some point, <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> And it wasn't for me. And I grew up with uh, a brother and, and boys and just fell in love with like wrestling and baseball and all these other activities and then found out I, I really loved soccer. And then in high school at age 14, switched to travel. And then that's when I got serious about it and wanted to play in college. I, I didn't know I wanted to play in college until high school. And I wanted to go to a school that had a good soccer program, but also good academics and smaller class sizes. So I turned down several Division One offers, which also would not really happen that much today because everyone wants to go one. And I decided to go to Johns Hopkins University, uh, which is a three school. They're still top 25 in, in Division Three nationally. So it's a great program, but I just really fell in love with the team culture and the girls when I did my visit. And it was important to go to college having that because it's another four years. I think a lot of female athletes like rush in their college decision and they don't take into account other things. Four years is a long time and you have to, to weigh every single factor. That's not to say you're going to have a perfect college experience, but you have to look at like everything else besides the sport or just that it's division one. So that's why I, I went there and I, I loved Hopkins and it's one of the times in my life where I wish I could go back. I love college sports. I love playing there. So I, I want that for athletes, but they have to know that it's going to take a lot of work. For sure. And I really appreciate you giving that shout out to D3 universities, D2 universities, because they have great athletic programs. And at the end of the day, like you said, it's like four years of your life. You have to find find the fit. 
that's the best for you. And this is not to discredit D1 programs. It's just to say like, I don't know. I think our our young minds, our 16 year old minds are just thinking like D1, D1. Like there are so many amazing programs, amazing athletes, amazing competitions, and then amazing, you know, schools and life experiences. So you have to find that right fit for you. And like you said, you loved that time in your life and your success in college did allow you to play post-college even, which is wonderful. You know, that that's, it's not like people, your only opportunity is D1. Not at all. Not the story at all. Yeah. And if, if, if people like really want to get clarity on that, I, I recommend just really doing the research on certain schools and asking a lot of questions to the coach and like the current members of the team. A lot of people don't do that. So I think that definitely helps in making that decision. Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned you know, really in your, like in your work as a strength and conditioning coach, also working on like speed and agility, but another big focus for you is injury prevention. I feel like soccer girls have a lot of injuries. <laughs> what are some of the, um, the major, maybe not specific to soccer or just youth athletes in general, what are some of the main injuries that you see happening over and over again? Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting one. And, you know, I used to market my services as injury prevention, but then I realized, well, if they're going to improve their strength and their speed and their explosiveness, they're going to be much more resilient to injury. And I just, I, I don't want female athletes going in and being like, oh, well, I'm more susceptible to ACL. And they just like have that mindset where they're like, you know, thinking something's wrong with them. I, I want them to really focus on that performance side and, and what they can control and really chasing things like improving speed times, improving their, their strength numbers, how much they're lifting, or just really looking at how they're controlling their momentum during like change of direction and agility drills. So the focus now is more performance because the the stronger they get in their their hamstrings, their quads, their glutes, then yeah, their knee will be healthier. But like I'm really changing the strength so that I can improve their speed. (laughs) And, you know, honestly, like looking back, I don't think any parent has like really come to me with the goal of, oh my gosh, like we want to prevent injury. A lot of parents are like, we just speed, like the speed's like number one. So that's been, that's been the the focus and injury prevention is really just total body strength training and change of direction, sprint mechanics, just ability to decelerate and land and land properly in all planes. And that's really all it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Prevention is just not as like enticing. Same thing with nutrition, right? Like if we start talking about, you know, fueling just for like prevention of bad things happening, it feels a lot more exciting when you can fuel for performance, but it's like in the process of fueling for for performance or in the process of training for speed and strength, you should be preventing injury if you're doing it right in that process as well. Well, there's another thing with that. So we can't fully prevent injury and if any performance coach is saying they can, then that's a huge lie and scam. <laughs> you can reduce the chance, but you can't fully prevent because things can happen. And it's like so multifactorial. I mean, it could be literally anything why someone rolls an ankle or twists a knee. It could be the playing surface, the shoes they're wearing, lack of nourishment that day, like sleep deprivation. It, it literally could be anything. And 
I don't know if there will ever be a technology one day where we'll know like the main thing. And it's crazy because all this money spent on like ACL stuff and the new technology, it's like no one solved this. The numbers are actually getting worse. So it's crazy to me. Um, But I think like people are just lacking the basics, uh, like good nutrition and just good training. Like it's just come back to those those basics before you start using all this fancy stuff. Isn't that so crazy? I agree with you that I think a lot of like the fundamentals aren't fully there. So it might be fundamentals in nutrition, might be fundamentals in training your body, you know, getting your your muscles, your strength, your form, your tendons and ligaments just all prepped and ready to even do this. I don't know if I'm getting, well, it's not off topic, but I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here. But like, do you think it has anything to do with even though in sport, we might be at a younger age, like 100% in, like you said, like young girls are doing travel soccer by age eight. But then like, we're not doing as much other play time and outdoor time, you know, that okay, we're doing intense travel soccer at a young age, but then we're doing so much more sitting at home. And do you find that a lot of your like, whether it's your clients or like your strength and conditioning, you're trying to like combat some of the like, sitting in home ex- home stuff that we're doing a lot of. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I'm like the on the edge of my seat right now because I <laughs> talk about the the detriments of lack and free play for young girls and I mean anyone in general, but so with injuries, a lot of it's also associated with the brain and how the brain reacts. And if an athlete can't react quickly to their environment, in that spontaneous setting, then that can hinder their lower body biomechanics. And the only way for athletes to really learn reacting in spontaneous environments in their sports is to go outside and play unstructured with minimal adult supervision and rules. And it's crazy because it, it sounds so basic, but that would really benefit athletes in terms of reaction time. And it's so interesting coming back to like this whole like, you know, surge in technology and research for ACLs and and female athlete injuries. It's like they're inventing technology where girls put one of those like VR things on their heads and like train in a spontaneous setting. And I'm like, well, why not just have them go outside and play tag? Like just do like something basic. Yeah. And it's just like so crazy to me, Lindsay. Like I'm sure you see ridiculous stuff in the nutrition world, but it's just like, wait, like why can't we just like do this very simple task and get good at that? And then everything else falls into place. So it's just wild to me, but yes, free play would be super beneficial for athletes. I recommend free play, year-round resistance training and speed training and then proper nutrition. Like those are like the big three for female yeah. athletes. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. And I don't know the science behind it, but I can see that. And I think as you were mentioning, like we have all this technology, but ACL injuries keep going up. It's, you know, so it's like, it's, that's not the answer. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. going, <laughs> what are some, obviously, you know, we're advancing for a reason. We can take the good out of the advancement, but what are some things that we have to go back to? Climbing trees, riding bikes, playing tag, and that can help you get really good at your sport of choice in that process. It's not like everything has to be only for the sport. 
Okay, fans, I'm going to pause this conversation to let you ladies know about the Rise Up Nutrition Coaching Program. We have a lot of ways that we can help clients here at Rise Up Nutrition, and this is one of two amazing opportunities to get the direct help you need. With our team of sports dietitians, this program helps adult female athletes fuel to perform without strict dieting. Ah, how good does that sound? Finally, you will understand nutrition for day-to-day training. Eat intuitively with foods that you love and be race day or competition day ready with energy and confidence. We have more details about what's included and how we can help on our website, riseupnutritionrun.com slash group coaching. Links are in the show notes. But I quickly want to share what a few of our clients have said about their experiences in this program so far. Sophie, a trail runner, says, quote, I really encourage anyone who has struggled with eating and lives an active lifestyle to consider this program because it's so hard to know if you're fueling properly without someone on the outside looking in from an objective point of view. I now feel confident in my food choices and more than anything, confident that I can actually eat more and that it will only benefit my health and my training. Sarah, another one of our clients and triathlete says, quote, for anyone that is struggling with diet culture, a history of disordered eating, and is trying to learn how to eat and fuel, this is a program they should strongly consider. I've been active my whole life and trying to fit a mainstream diet has never worked. In fact, it's created more problems than good. Working with Rise Up Nutrition has made things very simple. So again, if you are an adult female athlete that wants to perform better without strict dieting, click that link in our show notes to apply to the Rise Up Nutrition Coaching Program, and we would be thrilled to have you join us. Until then, we will get back to the conversation. Yeah, and I think where I was thinking earlier about the injuries and stuff, like you were saying, is again, just for you, it's like, Sure, you you don't market injury prevention, but of course that's underlying of everything you're doing as a strength and condition coach. Because if if we have a major injury like ACL, I mean that's what takes you out of your sport. That's a nine month recovery. You know, that's a major thing. And then that's nine months out. And then where's your confidence at getting back into this sport? Right? These things can really challenge <laughs> challenge us. Yeah, it's it's not fun. And and I've just heard stories of just super long recoveries, nine plus months. And then once you get that injury, then you're at like a much higher chance to get a second and a, and a third one. And it's, it's tough. I mean, it, it's really hard to go through sports unscathed. But just try to do the right thing, do what you can control. And that's resistance training, proper nutrition, making time for play, and just doing that as best you can. In worst case scenario, a fluke or something happens, but just know like you learn discipline along the way. You learn something about yourself. You learn proper training and nutrition that's going to benefit you for many years of your life. So just think of it that way as well, but don't try to prevent because prevention's not, it's not realistic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair, totally fair. Now, so you work with, with clients as young as sixth grade, you were saying, and you mentioned earlier as we were talking that this is actually the ideal time for them. 
to adapt to training. How does that work pros and cons of like strength training throughout the major body changes that a girl is going through and hormonal changes like throughout puberty and stuff? Is that why it's good to start younger so that you're doing it throughout hormonal changes? Can you explain that to me a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So it's it's really important because during that time, again, that's when their brains can learn these movements a lot faster and, and they can pick them up quicker and we can make the most of having neuromuscular adaptations. So as far as like when they're growing, so coaches need to know when girls are going through their growth spurt because that's going to mean that they might have to tweak the load. So maybe they're not doing as many reps or as much volume or putting as much weight on the bar. And we're really, really making sure form is good. But during that time and growth, so that's when we want to really load the bones because the bones are still growing. It's taking time for the mineral density to fill in, but weight training will help with that process to, to upbuild her bones and her joints and her muscles. So it's also really empowering for female athletes too, because I think during like that growth spurt, the emotional changes can be a little bit volatile or they're like, oh my gosh, I'm like gaining weight here or here. And it's like, look, like fat, fat mass does just get more during that time. Like I, you know, in the chest, the hips, like that's just female anatomy and that's just growth and maturation. But if you want to really have a good body composition where you are strong and you're really focused on muscle gains rather than like losing fat, that that should be more of the focus for the female athlete and those performance indicators. So that's why during that time, it's important to introduce this type of training so that she's not feeling as like insecure or a little bit off during her growth. It could definitely help some of these things. Yeah, I completely agree. And so I have like to me, again, this is a silly question because I know your answer, <laughs> but I think our listeners need to hear it. They just need to hear it. And I don't care if it's the hundredth time they've heard it. They need to hear it 101 times. As you were talking about like the focus of growing muscle, like what do you say to those girls or women who are afraid of getting too bulky? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, 2022. So I just it's hard to believe this is still even a discussion. So, I, I know. know why you're asking it because people still ask it, but they're still concerned. It's like, we know muscle is good for us. And people are still concerned about that. I know. I know. I mean, it's it's one of the most powerful organs in the body. I mean, if we're, we're just looking at sport performance alone, speed and explosiveness, you you need more muscle longevity, immune system function. I mean, there's there's just so many benefits to, to having more muscle. But as far as the bulky thing, so that's not probable because a lot of female athletes, especially team sport female athletes, are covering a lot of mileage throughout the week. Like, for like soccer, lacrosse players, for example, they're running like several miles a week. So they're doing a ton of endurance work. So when you just like put in like two itty bitty strength sessions that are, they should be low volume. If, if you're putting the female athletes health and loading into account, like it's impossible for them to get bulk, like bodybuilder bulky. Like that takes, that takes a lot of work, but a lot of these girls are doing so much endurance that like, 
their strength is already like withering away from that point, you know? I know. The muscle is already withering away. So you need to add in add in that strength training. But to achieve like bodybuilder bulky, oh my gosh, like caloric surplus, like crazy amounts. Um, and then like high volume reps, like we're talking like five sets, like 15 plus reps for everything. Like, but you would never do that for an adolescent girl ever. Like that's stupid. She's going to get injured. She's going to be sore all the time. So I hope this helps people who are listening because it's just not probable for Like literally the physiological pathways to build muscle versus build endurance, like can't function at the same time. So that's why, like you were saying, it's like, gosh, two strength sessions a week. Like you're, you're actually probably, that's why you want more than two. I'm sure as a strength and conditioning coach, because it's like, it's hard to combat like some of your muscle breakdown that you're having and we're trying to build you up. So you actually need more than that. But yeah, I always say that to people and shout out to all the bodybuilders out there who aren't, who want to, you know, embrace their muscle and all of that. But it's like, that takes so much time, so much lifting, heavy lifting and so much food that, you know, (laughs) our soccer players, lacrosse players, runners, like we like, keep lifting. We need to keep lifting. And I love that you said, Erica, that your muscle is an organ. It just, you know, we forget about that. We forget that it is. So that's so important to remember that your muscle is an organ. Yes, it's for your performance, but it's got so many other physiological functions in your body. So maintaining and building and strengthening your muscle while you're young and then throughout your lifetime is just so huge for health even. It, it really is. And and this is why it's just so important to like get these girls into this habit young, because as soon as you turn 30 and you're done your sport, your, your muscle is waning away at such a fast rate. So you almost have to train harder when you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s to, to keep it up. But it's, it's worth it for your health, your mood, your energy, your hormone levels. So it's yeah, it's just it's such a critical organ. You just need to keep building it. Yeah, yeah. So you offer two different online coaching programs as well as in person, which I can imagine is just the best um, to have you there giving that feedback, playing those games, helping with form and everything. So you're online, you're in-person coaching in Tampa, Florida, because we have listeners all across the country. Can you tell us more about what online coaching looks like for you and how does that actually work? Yeah, so I narrowed down, I'm only offering two programs. So the first one is just called the Strong Female Athlete Jumpstart Program. And that's just, you get your workouts, and it's based on your age, your training age, and if you're in season or off season. So you just go to my website and just fill out a form and then a program will be assigned through my phone app and you'll get your workouts, video demos, all that. And then the second program is my Strong Female Athlete Performance Program. And it's also your workouts based on your training age and the season that you're in. But you get more one-on-one time with me. We also do weekly group Zoom calls. So it's more high-level, high-accountability coaching. I will say like the remote training, it's it's not for everyone. So if people are new to performance training, I recommend trying to find someone in your area first. But if you can't find someone and need someone who's like female athlete specific, I'm here, <laughs> excited to help. But that in person is just, 
it's so great. And it, it really brings out that that competition and just like gives that social environment. But some people love the remote program uh, and you just need to know what what works for you. Yeah, I think exactly what you said. If you've if you don't have anybody locally or or not the right fit because they're not understanding your unique needs as a female athlete, then yeah head over to Erica's website and hit her up. But yeah, I think when it comes to like, yeah, strength and conditioning, and that's where nutrition is a bit different. Like I really can do nutrition virtually. Like it would be kind of obnoxious for me to be at every meal of your day (laughs) in person. Um, But like, you really do have to be there to, to coach uh, in person it's a it's a very physical thing but i think the online resources are awesome because you you have such a specialty with these young female athletes so absolutely always here to help <laughs> yeah yeah so um you have a very holistic approach too like when like you've already mentioned like nutrition is up there as part of the things that you're talking about with your clients so you have a really holistic approach we've talked about building up their confidence and everything like that so let's tap into nutrition a little bit since this is the nutrition podcast what what would you say are some of again just like throwing this question at you completely Erica but like what are some of your main messages when you have a young client come to you and who has no clue where to start with nutrition? What are some of your main fueling messages that you tell them? We always start with basics. So knowing the macros and explaining what those are. (laughs) So yeah, proteins, fats, carbs, you know, and just letting them know what each of them do and why you need them. But as far as like the exact amounts and meal timing and all that, I, I always like to refer out. Like I I don't like when performance coaches write meal plans. I actually think that's against the law. It is correct. Yeah. Which is so crazy. I can't believe this is still going on. But yeah, if you're not a registered dietitian, then you should not be giving meal plans. Uh, very dangerous. <laughs> so I always refer out and I have had registered dietitians like come on our zoom calls here and there I might have to have you on when we do our next month but I just try to give all my girls resources if they need something more customized and specific but we just talk about the basics I I always try to ask questions about their nutrition in a way like how do you feel like oh you didn't eat breakfast how did you play it today and they're like oh not so well it's like okay well something to think about um so Kind of like asking questions uh, based on what they're doing, not trying to like change or plan things because that's not my job, but just trying to keep it a weekly discussion, model good behavior as a coach. Sometimes I'll have a protein shake on the job because I'm on the floor for four hours and I can't like starve myself. So I have to fuel and they see that as a coach, I'm fueling. So it's important to lead by example, whether you're a performance coach or even a parent. And I'm sure you talk to parents all the time about this stuff, (laughs) the environment girls are in at home. But yeah, that's really what we're what we're doing with with nutrition. And it's just it's one of those things that is going to push an athlete over the edge. Like training's great, but if you're not recovering and getting that energy back in, then I tell the girls your training session, I don't want to say it was useless, but it kind of was because the training session, you're in a catabolic state. And then to uh, get back in that anabolic state, you need your nutrition. So exactly. that's, 
yeah, I just don't want them to to waste their workout. And that's, that's the messaging I just try to get out to them. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, this recovery piece, like post-workout. I mean, your nutrition all day is important, but so many people get it in their head of like, just had a good workout. And maybe because their appetite isn't there or something, or again, maybe like diet culture messages, we feel like, we shouldn't eat after or something, but it's like, no, this is the exact time to make sure that this workout isn't wasted, you know, because you are breaking down. The whole point of training is to build you up. And that happens in the recovery piece with your fueling and your sleep. Yep. <laughs> Throw that one in there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that post, that post-workout nutrition is, is huge. And one thing I, I've been trying to do with my girls is having food available at the end, whether it's a bar or a shake or a chocolate milk and just like putting it in their environment and being like, Hey, this is the norm. You need to have this like right after your workout. Even if you're not hungry, you kind of have to push, push past that. Like, (laughs) I don't like that excuse. Like, Oh, I'm not hungry. Or I don't like to eat in the mornings before a morning game. Well, you, you have to push past that. I'm sorry. (laughs) For sure. Especially with soccer. (laughs) The long games. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, the energy expended is insane. And that that's where you come in and all these people to refer out to. It's like, you guys know like what they're expending and how many calories they need to sustain their their energy in the game. And I, a lot of girls are under fueling, you know? Oh, you absolutely. Know. <laughs> mm-hmm. When when you were playing, did you have any of your like go tos, your favorite like pre post game or during game snacks to fuel you with? Yes, I, I loved like turkey sandwiches or breakfast sandwiches, bagels, not with like a lot of like cheese and like heavy things, but just a lot of carbs, uh, protein, and yes, has to be a couple hours before, otherwise your stomach will just get upset or you might not be able to eat as much. So yeah, those were some of my favorites. Apple with peanut butter. Gosh, so many. I mean, I had a lot of chocolate milk after games. Like, <laughs> Totally. I don't know if that's like good or bad, but um, it definitely helped get protein and carbs back in. Chocolate milk's been on this, like it's the best post-workout recovery for like a decade now. And I still agree with it. I still agree with it for many, many reasons. You got your protein, you got some carbs. It's delicious. You're rehydrating. Also, it's got great electrolytes in it. The sodium and potassium in chocolate milk is up there. So it's like, you know, you might, depending on where you live, you're in Florida. So like, I know it's hot there. You might still need an electrolyte supplement, but chocolate milk has electrolytes in it as well. So it's, it's really up there as one of the best things. Okay, good. Because that's what I've been preaching to everyone still. <laughs> yeah, keep preaching it. Keep preaching okay, it. It's still awesome. good. <laughs> I'm still going to drink it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, just as far as like sports go when you're playing, whether it's travel soccer, high school sports, college, I don't know. I was talking to an athlete the other day that like they're kind of getting sick of sandwiches. And I was just like, man, but they're so good. Like they're the best thing I know. You to fuel you up with and you can get them anywhere and you can pack them. You can have them on bread. You can wrap them. You can put them in tortillas. You can have them on bagels, but it's just like really kind of what you were saying, like having a good sandwich before your game is what really held you over. And I'm going to 
stand by that one as well. <laughs> and honestly, it was the same sandwich. And it, that was great because it was like less thinking like, well, what am I going to eat? It didn't take up like brain space. So I don't know. I, I sometimes I feel like the boring, like consistent stuff is like, okay, like this works. So just stick to it. <laughs> uh-huh. I did the same thing in high school and high school sports. I always did a, um, a Subway tuna melt. That was like, oh, my nice. pre- <laughs> that was uh, before gymnastics meets and track meets. That was my go-to. It was the same thing all throughout high That's school. That's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, Erica, it's been a pleasure having you on. I have just a few more questions for you um, that I ask all of my guests at the end of of each recording. So let's play. If there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? Sushi. <laughs> mm. Especially in Florida, you have some fresh fish there. So yes. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your favorite sport to participate in? Okay, so soccer is my number one, but snowboarding is like a close second. (laughs) Yeah, I almost love it just as much. So I started it when I ended playing soccer because I was like, okay, I can be a little bit crazier now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Snowboarding and skiing is like everybody goes on like a snowboarding or skiing trip and then they get injured and then they're like taken out for a season. So it's like, once your professional, like competitive uh, career is done, then we can get into yes. it. <laughs> Except for the people who do that as their sport. But uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> How about as a spectator, Erica, what's your favorite sport to watch? I really like men's lacrosse, men's college lacrosse to be specific. I just, I think the sport's just like so exciting. And obviously I went to Johns Hopkins, so lacrosse was huge there. So yeah, definitely men's lacrosse. And it's such an intense sport, like very physical in in a good way, really like exciting way to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's intense for sure. That's awesome. And how about since this is a female athlete nutrition podcast, and since that's something you specialize in, if there's a female athlete out there that you think is just inspirational, a role model, someone you want to give a shout out to, whether it's someone you know personally in your life or someone more well-known, who would that be and why? Definitely Mia Hamm, women's soccer player. Uh, this this was back in the 90s. I, I grew up watching the women's national team. And this was when women's sports was really making a name for itself. When when they won the World Cup, uh, Olympic champions, like they like literally started like women's sports <laughs> or women's soccer. And yeah, I, I just love I mean, I love that entire team growing up, but definitely Mia Hamm. Yeah, I mean, you and me are around the same age here, so I can resonate with you on that. And I think actually, I just think women's soccer in general over the last 20 years has really paved the way for a lot of women's sports. Yes. You know, like all sports, like they've done a lot for soccer, but they've done a lot for all sports. So way to go, soccer queens out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Erica, thank you so much. Um, I said it in the beginning, but if you could just help remind people again where to find you, um, how to look you up, how to follow you. Yeah, just go to Fit Soccer Queen on Instagram. My my website's in in my bio and you can just get a bunch of free content there. And then if you want to do online training, go for it. If not, I'm always posting stuff. Yeah. And also I should, uh, I mentioned it earlier, your book, but you have a great book for sale on Amazon, you know, and that's something that people, if like you want to get started on, on 
you know, all of this. And like you said, it's, it's a mixture of science in the book, as well as just experience in there. So that's a great place that anybody can go online right now and purchase and get started. Yeah, definitely. I I would say start with the book for sure. Yeah, that's a good starting point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, thank you, Erica, so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash Red S and download the Red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus, while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by and access to a private Facebook community, female athlete nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S that's backslash R E D S. And you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.